Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. We all really want to get back to what really matters in life. How can we find peace when it seems so elusive at times? How do we live as we were created to be? Join us as we journey forward into 2021, looking at some ancient ways as we seek to be closer to God, encounter His Word, find the key to growth and community, and live life more simply. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. So good to be worshiping with you guys. Would you do me a favor, help me welcome all of our first-time guests, both in the room and online? Love you guys, so glad to have you worshiping with us. Man, what a week we've been in with our week of prayer and fasting, and I tell you, it's been a really good week. You know, we do this twice a year, and I don't know how many of you were here for the last time, but when we were here in August, I'm gonna be honest, I was getting a little bit of what you call pastor depression. It's one of those things where you just feel like you're not really doing a good job because you don't really feel like everything's moving the way you want it to, and I think the truth is just simple, man. In August we were all hitting the reality that we hoped COVID would be gone by then. And here we were going into the fall and finding out our kids were gonna be staying at home and we were gonna keep working from home. And we came in for August and, and, and nothing bad, but I'm gonna tell you, I didn't feel a, a real excitement. Matter of fact, it was kind of one of those, God, what are you doing to us kind of weeks of prayer and fasting. And this week has been very different. If you've come out for any of this, if you've been in the room for any of our prayer times and, and I... I really hope you can even feel that communicated if you're joining us online. But there is hope, and there's hunger for God, and, and there's this, this thing of like, well, I don't know what's happening, COVID and everything else, but I'm, I'm done sitting around doing nothing. I'm ready to move on with God. And there's just been such an excitement this week. I tell you what, it's been something else to feel the, the presence of God, and I, I hope you guys are or, or maybe, you know, doing something new, like maybe fasting if you never have, maybe joining us here for a prayer time if you never have, or whatever. I just, I just hope you're able to, to experience something new, like, man, communion. That was fun during fasting week. I felt a little guilty, I'm gonna be honest. Anybody else, like, am I supposed to do this? It's like the best meal I've had in days. Y'all know what I said? I mean, anyway, that's, but it's, the, it's the body of Christ, so, I mean, you can't, that's a pretty holy way to, to take a fast there anyway. So hey, look, here's what we've been doing all throughout the week. One of the things we do here at Grace Life during our week of prayer and fasting is we ask everybody to fill out a card of how we can be praying for you. And they're all across the stage that you've sent in online, uh, that people filled out last weekend, that our youth have filled out, that our elementary age kids filled out. We try to get everybody who's old enough to write a prayer request to write one down. And uh, that's kind of how this goes. So um, I just had, had Kent grab a couple for me here. I can't begin to reflect all of these, but just wanted to, to share with you kind of some of the things that are on the heart of some of our people. This one says, I'm praying that God will heal my marriage, take away the resentment and the hate, and put love back in our hearts. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, you've at least got the prayer right, because so many times people want God to heal their marriage by not doing anything in their hearts and just fixing that other person, you know. And so, you know, we, we've been praying with you all week. There's, I don't know if you can see this, but there are all these check marks of every time somebody's prayed for you. And there's one here, 
says, I'm a teacher and virtual learning is weighing on my heart um, and not, not complaining. He says, I, I'm concerned about the students. I worry for their physical, their social, and their emo emotional health. Uh, and it's even causing me to lose my passion for teaching. And I can understand that. Uh, that's, that's just really hard because you're almost not teaching as much. And I'm a teacher, so I understand the difficulty. It's almost like you're just trying to manage an online world. And, and I'm gonna tell you the there is just an incredible number of the cards that are on the stage that people are saying, God, would you heal our nation? I think we're all understanding that, that there's just too much division. There's, there's, there's just, it's just not good. And, and whatever we're experiencing is not from the kingdom of God in this division. And I'll talk more about that later in the series. But, but we know that we're praying and we're asking God to move and and so it's, it's just been a great week and an exciting time. And th this last card here, I, I want to point out, it, it says, I want to be tall. <laughs> I wanted to highlight this just to make sure you know it's not my card. <laughs> the true reason that I wanted to highlight it is because there's actually two of these. There's at least two. We found two separate ones, and uh, I do assume it's coming from our younger kids, and uh, you know, as, as a couple of adults have shown it to us, said, hey, hey, Jimmy, look at this. Isn't this kind of funny? And we all laughed the first time, and then God spoke to me. Because as adults, we look at that prayer request and think, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. That's even kind of silly. And you have to wonder sometimes if God ever looks at our prayer request. But here's the good news. Even if it is a little silly, our God still loves us. And I, I have faith that God is meeting the needs and some even some of the desires of the people, uh, as long as there's nothing ungodly, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that. That kind of ruins the whole thing. God, God doesn't go against himself. But anyway, so look, it's been a great week. Really excited for that and hope you guys have been getting closer to God, further from the world. That is the whole point of why we do it. And with that being said, we're gonna jump into our message today. We're in a, a series we're doing that we kicked off last week and it's how we're starting the year. Uh, we're changing what we had planned if you were here for part one, you heard a little of this, but we had something else in mind, but something began happening all throughout the second half of 2020, or at least that's when it got my attention. It actually could have been happened earlier, uh, where God began speaking one single verse to pastors who didn't know each other all across our country, and they began to respond saying, what do we do with that? And, and so we, we got to, to pray and say, what do we do with that? And I felt like God led us a way that we can respond as a church to go back to what God's saying. And it's out of Jeremiah 6, 16. And it, and it says, this is what the Lord has said to you. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. And it's a very simple message. It's saying when everybody else is going about their business, when everybody else is kind of hurrying along, they're not really paying attention. They know. They've already made up their minds. I'm going right. I'm going left. I'm going this way. I'm going to do this. And they're just going on about life. God is saying, I want my people to stop. Check out what's happening and maybe reconsider the way you were going. Matter of fact, I want you to actually ask me for something. I want you to ask out of all of the paths in front of me, which would lead to the ancient paths because in those ancient paths, there's a good way. And in that good way, you'll find rest for your souls. And so we've decided to focus the beginning of our year, if it was good enough for God's people then, it's good enough for God's people now to say, God, what are the ancient paths? What is the good way? Because we all need some rest for our souls, right? 
So we began the, the series with one of the ancient paths. By the way, let me just back up and remind you, we're not making up our own definition of the ancient paths. The ancient paths are the ways that God taught his people to live from the very beginning. This is what God has said from the beginning. This is what I have for you. This is what you'll do. And they are the ancient practices of God's people before maybe they lost their way. And so we're just trying to get back to those. If God was telling people centuries later, let's get back to them, I believe that God is still saying that to us today. So we looked at the first one. One of God's ancient ways was exactly what we've been doing. Get closer to God by getting further from the world. The idea of prayer and fasting but for God's people, as an ancient way, it was like a normal thing. It was a regular thing. Some people did it maybe once a month. Some people did it once a week or whatever occasion, depending on how uh, they saw their, their faith and their need. Uh, there were lots of festivals as God's people throughout the year where they would fast. and pray. So this was a very common thing. And the truth is, it's not a common thing for Christians anymore. And so we talked about that, and we just spent a week doing our, our prayer and fasting, trying to grow closer to God, get a little further from the world. So today we're going to ask the question of, well, what is this good way? There's a, a way that God has for his people, because we want to get back to the promise of rest for our souls, right? And so God says there's a way. We need to find the way and walk in it. And so how can we, we find this way? Well, they were a people with a culture. They had a way. Apparently, they had lost it. But every culture has a way of living. It's, it's very simple. Like if you go to Mexico on May 5th, nobody's working, and you're, you're, you're just, that's the way that's working, right? Cinco de Mayo, you guys know what I'm talking about. Come to America on July 4th, nobody's working, and we're eating cheeseburgers and fireworks. That's what you do on July 4th. It doesn't matter what you like. If you're a vegetarian, you, you just kind of have to fake it because you eat cheeseburgers. If you eat tofu on July 4th, we take away your passport. That's what we do. We give you a Swedish one. I'm just kidding. We don't really do that. But we have a way. That's our people. It is what we do, right? We're here in Columbia, South Carolina. Gamecocks. You don't wear orange. Now, personally, I don't have a dog in the fight, so you may see me wear orange on occasion, but I've actually got a friend of mine who picked out a favorite pair of shoes. He's in the store. He's like, that's really good, and they brought out one, and the particular one that fit him in the box had a little orange thing down the side. He said, never mind, got up and walked out. Because that's just, it's the way, right? And do I have any Mandalorian fans in the room? Come on, does anybody, right here? Right? Okay, so go ahead and say it with me. This is the way. There you go. See, everybody knows it. For those of you that are missing out uh, and you're not a Star Wars fan, for those of us that are Star Wars fans, Disney has, has helped us through 2020 uh, because they created a, a show, an extension of Star Wars called The Mandalorian, and it's one particular little character who had popped up throughout all the other Star Wars, and finally they made a series off of him. The point is The Mandalorian has a creed. And every decision is made when this is mentioned. And so as they're discovering things and one Mandalorian's asking another Mandalorian a question, a wiser Mandalorian, the wiser Mandalorian says, this is the way. And then the one repeats it, this is the way. And every Mandalorian in the room, this is the way. I mean, it's like, oh, it's almost cultish, right? You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. There was just like there, this is the way for the Mandalorians. There's a Mandalorian code. There was a way for God's people. And it was non-negotiable, just like a Mandalorian. It was non-negotiable. It was a way that, that brought God's favor and blessing into their lives. It, it was a way that acknowledged he was God and they were not. It was a way that, that put him in a place of honor. It was a way that they worshiped and they served him. And so we're going to begin by looking at how this became an ancient way for God's people. We're going to 
jump out in Exodus 24, 3 here, and you don't need to turn here because it's one little verse. It's not our main passage. We're, our main stuff is in Jeremiah today, but uh, let me remind you where we were in time. We're going to back up to the beginning of God's people. The beginning of God's people, well, we could debate the whole front of the Bible. We're just going to start with a guy named Abraham, where God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make of you a multitude of nations. You're, you're going to be my people. I'll be your God. You're going to be my people. And, and so, Two generations later, by the time we get to Abraham's grandson, he has a bunch of sons, 12 of them. And so there's a famine. And Abraham's grandson and great-grandsons go to Egypt as a family, just as a family. But over their 400 years there, they go from being a guest family to slaves who have grown into a, a great multitude, a nation, and now they are called the nation of Israel. Matter of fact, at this point, uh, most scholars believe there is well over one million of them as they leave Egypt, and uh, they're, they're led out by Moses, and so that's where we pick up the story. And so here's what happens. It says, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. This is the way. I mean, that's, that's how this works. This is the ancient way. God says it, we're doing it. This is after M Moses is introducing them God's ways, beginning with what you and I call the Ten Commandments. And then God goes on and, and tells them some other things that is the way for his people to live. And there, there is no objection. There's no clarification. There's no clause for, except on Saturday. No, no, none of that. They simply stopped at that point. If the Lord says it, good. We're going to do it. Moses recounts this story a little later, and when he does, he shares with us what God said back to the people. For you and me, it shows up in Deuteronomy. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this Always. I think God sees a little something coming. I think you can already figure out where we're going to end up here in Jeremiah in a minute, right? Oh, if they just had a, such a heart always to fear me, to keep my commandments, that it might go well for them and their descendants forever. And so just like in part one, we're going to jump in with the same question today. Jeremiah 6, God shows up and says, stop. Look. And choose a different path. Choose a better path. And so the question we asked in part one was, what were they doing that made God say that? So we're going to ask the same question. What are they doing now that causes God to say that to them? And to actually, what you don't know, most likely, unless you went home and finished reading this, is that there's another sentence to this verse. There's another sentence in Jeremiah 6, 16. Actually, right after this, we find out what they're doing. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Because if you do, you're going to find rest for your souls. But you said, nope, not going to do it. No, we will not walk in it. We're going to do our own thing. This is hundreds of years later, but still before the time of Jesus. We're still in the Old Testament. God's people had simply said, whatever you say, no, thank you. We found our own way. We talked a little bit about some of that last week. They had found other gods to worship and other things to do. They hadn't lost the way. They had rejected the way. No, thank you. We don't want it. But remember also, we talked in part one how God is never just coming and saying, 
here's what I'm gonna do to you, doom and gloom. You know, we think Old Testament prophets do that. God is always saying, look, you're my people. I love you. I, I just want to be your God and dwell with you and you dwell with me and bless, that's, that's what I want. And so hear God's heart in Jeremiah 6. But to whom can I speak and give a warning? I mean, who's gonna listen to me? Their ears are so closed they cannot hear. Matter of fact, the word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. One version actually changes the word offensive to saying that the word of the Lord is an object of scorn. And that's a little bit stronger language because what scorn means is that it's worthless. Meaning if you had found one of these people at this time, again, you're walking down the streets of, of, of wherever they are and Jeremiah's over there preaching and you're talking to them and you would find one of their ancient scrolls on the ground and you would find where they had been pressing some olives and so they would, they would take the olive skins and throw them in the trash and they would have picked up the scroll and thrown it in the trash because it was worthless. That's what they thought of God's word. I mean, that's pretty bad because today if you go like to Goodwill and you find a Bible somebody's donated, there are like non-Christians that are even afraid to throw that thing away. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, and they had decided it was worthless. Another word for scorn is despicable. It was hated. And that's some strong language. And the truth is, not many believers today would go as far as to say that they scorn the word of God. And so that's why I started with the other version, because a lot of believers today would say, yes, sometimes the word of God is offensive. Matter of fact, that's one of the, the big things in our culture is to talk about parts of God's word that's offensive, and we don't necessarily like all of that, because we may not find believers saying that it's despicable and worthless, but we will find a lot of people today, just to be honest, as younger we get, to say, I don't like that part. That offends me. And so I, I honestly... I've been a youth pastor for a long time, and I just want to take a moment, if I could, and speak to the, the young generation, because there's something very important happening right here. There's, there's a move uh, among the younger generation to something that's called progressive Christianity, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you must have deleted TikTok for Facebook for your, I mean, your fasting, because there's just this entire move to say, well, wait a minute, we need to update the Bible a little bit. You know, when God wrote that, that was a long time ago. If God wrote it now, it would progress a little bit. It would be more in step with what we're seeing in our world and the culture we're facing. But I, I just, I need you to know something about God. Here's what God says, even again, before the time of Jesus. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Now, this is important because here's what he says to them next. Ever since the days of your ancestors, going all the way back to Jeremiah and those people, ever since then you have scorned my decrees. You've considered it worthless and despicable and you failed to obey them. You know, the, the, the push to say in 2020, come on, it's a new time. Things have changed. We've got to update God's word because it's, a, it's just not quite there. It's not a 2020 thing. Matter of fact, just even in recent era, it's really a 1950 thing. And it's even before that. If we really want to get true to it, it's a before Jesus thing. 
This is before Jesus that the people of God have said, oh, your word's a little outdated. You know, we, we don't really like that part. Can, can we quit this piece? Can we quit that piece? And you'd have to go read the rest of the book of Malachi to see what they were doing wrong then. But they had decided 2,000 years ago that the word of God was culturally outdated. And his response 2,000 years ago, I promise you, was his response today, which is, I don't change the ancient way is the way. And so my warning, please, actually my, my, my begging, my, my plea for all of our, our young generation is be very, very careful that you do not progress somewhere that God is not because God does not change. And so I just want to talk about the idea that God's word is offensive. Is anybody ever offended by God's word? Do you find God's word offensive? Raise your hand if you find God's word offensive. And by the way, you're in church and you're, you're really having a dilemma right now. You're like, I'm in church. I'm sure I should not raise my hand that God's word is offensive. That seems very wrong. It is a trick question. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. You should have raised your hand. And you may not have found it offensive today. You know, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And, and right now, you're, you're, today was a good day and you didn't find it too offensive. But if you're going to tell me that you've never found the word of God offensive, I'm going to tell you that you haven't looked in the mirror very well. Because God's word reflects perfect holiness. It reflects the nature and the character of how to worship a perfectly holy God. And, and there's something in us that when we start reading God's word, we go, I don't like that. I, I don't want to forgive that person. I don't care. I'll, you just forgive because you've been forgiven. Well, you know, God, you chose to forgive me. Now you, you didn't tell me I was going to have to forgive her. I mean, we get offended, right? You give me the first 10%? Oh, no, God, I don't think so. That's, that's a whole lot of, I'm a, I'm a little bit offended. You trying to take my, I mean, we get offended. If we don't get offended, we are not being serious about our own sin nature. The word of God is offensive to human nature by the fact that it's the revelation of a perfectly holy God to us. The question that we're going to have to deal with is what do we do when we find it offensive? How do we process that? So, look, if, if we're going to, to make our way back to the ancient way and to get to where we find rest for our souls because there is a good way, if we're going to get back to the, hey, whatever God says we will do, the ancient way, we're going to have to answer the two questions that God says they had missed. And the first one is, do we take pleasure in his word? He said, they don't take pleasure in my word anymore. They don't enjoy it. And so we're going to do a, a little bit of fun today, if that's okay with everybody. We're going to do a little survey, and, and I, it's going to be a vocal survey, okay? You got your vocal cords ready for this. I need everybody to join me in this. I want you to make the kind of sound you make when you hear you're going to have to do something you don't want to do. That's good. That's pretty good. Now, I want you to do the kind of sound that you make when somebody tells you you're going to do one of your favorite things, right? Yeah. There you go. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. This is one of those things where you don't get time to process it. You're going to make the sound as soon as I say it. That's the way it's going to go right here. So I want you to make the sound that comes to mind for your mental state of mind whenever you hear this phrase. So here we go. How about going to the dentist? How about going on vacation? How about having a car accident? How about winning the lottery? Yeah. How about reading the Bible? Yeah. It's only because the staff over here knew that was coming. How about obeying everything in the Bible without question? Thank you for your honesty. 
Psalms 1 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, but whose delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Meaning we should take pleasure in God's word. I'm going to tell you that when you first meet God's word, it's like on a scale of one to 10, offense way up here, pleasure way down here. And it is God's word and the Holy Spirit that begins to make us more like him that we go, oh, that really is better, God. That really, that really does work better. And we start to see how things are not working. And so we begin to change. And the longer you've walked with Jesus, the more that meter changes to pleasure and less offense because the more you start to realize that the one who made you knows how to give you the best life. He didn't make you for misery. He knows how it functions, how we function, how our soul, how our body. He knows what we need. And so that meter begins to change. But it's something we want to take. Where am I, God? Where am I in taking pleasure? Because we just honestly should take pleasure in knowing and understanding his word. So he said they didn't take pleasure in it. And then he said that they rejected it. So we have to ask this question. Do I reject or do I obey God's word? Right? What do I do when I find it offensive? When God's word is offensive, do I reject it or do I obey it? And that is, and honestly, a really good question. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I think the major problem all throughout Scripture is that people would not do God's word God's way. I'm going to go as far as to say that every problem that ever existed could have either been fixed or prevented if they had followed God's word and done it God's way. And I'm going to back that statement up next week. And I'm actually going to use our current culture and the world we live in to explain how everything in our world could be fixed or prevented simply by being people who do God's word God's way. And I'm going to go ahead and just give you the warning for free. Some of you are going to want to skip that. But back to the question. What do you do when you're offended by it? What do you do when the word of God offends your pleasure? What do you do when the word of God offends your preference, offends your choice, offends your desire? What do you do? Let me, let me just ask you a question because some of us, well, you didn't make a sound during those because you kind of go, oh, I could see that. Well, I've got a friend who did that. and Well, they are much happier now. And, and, and we look through that lens. So I'm just going to really put you on the spot. What if I come here next week and I stand on this stage and say, hey, everybody, I have found my soulmate. And it is not the wife I have been bringing here every single week. And I have decided that God wants me to be happy. And so I am going to be leaving my family and my four children and, and, and my wife will just have to deal with that because God wants me to be happy. And matter of fact, I'm going to keep preaching because it makes me happy. I want you to raise your hand if you're looking for a new church at that point. Why? You don't want me to be happy? Well, it's because you know that's offensive to God's word. You know that that is not an option for somebody who follows the ancient way and says, if God says it, I will do it. We know. And yet, every day, some of us make choices. We make choices like, well, I know the Bible says I should forgive, but. 
People go to me and go, Pastor, can you pray with me? I'm really worried about this. And I'm like, do I preach to them right now? You know, you're not supposed to worry. You know, I mean? you know, we constantly cross and go against the very word of God. What do we do? And I'm just going to tell you something. By the way, when people say, I've prayed about it. I feel pretty good about it. I don't think it's all that big of a deal. When you have prayed about it and you think that God has said it's okay with me and it contradicts the ancient way of his word that he's already revealed, you aren't talking to God. Somebody needs to tell you that. You can disagree with me, but I'm just going to go on record. You're not talking to God. That is not God talking back to you. Because God already said, I do not change. And God never says anything that contradicts his word. People ask me sometimes, you know, how do I discern spiritual warfare? How do I know when it's a demon? Well, here's, there's a long list, but we're going to start with this one. If anything says something to you that contradicts the word of God, you just found the demon. That's the way that works. That's the only choice you have at that point. Now, here's the deal. You know why so many of us keep doing it? Because lightning does not always strike. Can, can I just be honest? Y'all with me? Y'all looking at me like a little like that didn't make any sense. What I mean by that is if a parent tells a child not to touch a hot stove and they do, they go, ah, you know, I mean, it's like immediate. But there are many times we make our own choices that we know, well, the Bible says, but, and we go, ooh, well, that didn't hurt too bad. I guess God is okay with that. No. Jeremiah 6, God continues talking to them. Hear you, earth. I'm bringing disaster on this people. Really, God, what you gonna do? Just the fruit of their schemes. I'm not doing a thing. They just didn't want me. They ain't getting me. They wanted it that way. They're gonna get it that way. Because they have not listened to my words and they have rejected my law. See, many times as believers, we kind of skirt some issues. We don't do God's way. And we think because lightning didn't come down and just go boom. That, well, you know, maybe that is a culturally outdated scripture. God didn't strike me. Well, maybe that's not that big a deal. Well, apparently there are bigger sins and God's got too much to do with all those other people. He's not too worried about me. We come up with all kinds of rationalization when lightning doesn't strike. Let me explain something to you. This, in, in theology, we learn something. Uh, called, it's called God's active wrath and God's passive wrath. His active wrath is when God makes a decision. I'm going to deal with this right now. It's like the Noah's flood. I've looked upon the world and it is too evil. We're going to do something about it. There's another story. The Israelites as they are going along their way, one of them rises up in rebellion. His name was Korah, Korah's rebellion. Rebelled against Moses, the leaders rebelled against God's way. God opens up the ground, swallows him whole. 20,000 people, that's God's active wrath. I'm gonna deal with you right now. But here's an example of God's passive wrath is God wanted to give the Israelites the promised land. He said, man, this is, I created this for you. Matter of fact, he didn't just do it right then. It was the very same land that he had told Abraham when he was a man. And there was yet to be the nation. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and this will be your land. It's a beautiful land. It's full of milk and honey. Hundreds of years later, 
God redeems them, brings them out of Egypt, and he brings them right up to the border and says, here you go. I've promised it for hundreds of years. It's the land I have for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. And the people said, nah. And God didn't say, okay, ground open up. God chose in that moment to say, okay. I'm not gonna actively do something. But you're unfortunately still gonna experience my wrath. It's just gonna be very passive. And God looks at him and says, so you don't want that? There's the desert. Enjoy. And those people who said, we don't want this, lightning didn't strike them. But they spent 40 years wandering the desert until every single one of that generation was dead. And here's my point. So many of us as believers have made a really good life in the desert. But it's not what God wants for you. And I, I talk with people as, as a pastor, and but you know that's not what God, yeah, I know that's what God says, but. And what they mean by that is, have you looked over here? I've got a, I've got a tent. It's great, keeps the sand out. It, it works really well. And I found this little watering hole right over here whenever I, get, I come over here. And it's just enough water. I've got this one little plant. I keep it right by my tent. I, I'm doing well in the desert, man. What's the problem? It, it's, it's just fine. And we're experiencing the wrath of God because we've turned against his way, but because lightning didn't strike, we think we're okay. My prayer for us, my hope for us, is that instead of looking around and going, eh, this isn't too bad, we'll ask the question, God, what do you have for me I don't even know I'm missing out on? Because I'm not living in the land you created. I'm not. I, I'm living over here, just wandering. It, it seems okay. By the way, you know, Jimmy, why would you bother me? Everybody's in the desert. Didn't you read the story? Two of those guys outlived the generation. It was the two that said, yeah, God, we're going to go into the promised land. Now, they had to endure with everybody else, but they got to go. The next generation got to go. They raised kids in the desert. They took them to Disney in the desert. They did vacation for 40 years. Those kids raised up. They, they grew up. And, oh, we're going into the promised land. I mean, that... Ask, are you living in a desert and you don't even know it? Are you missing out on the real blessing of God because somewhere, someday, maybe many, many times, maybe a few big times that come to mind, you came right up to the border of what God had for you and his way offended you and you said, mm, I've got a nice tent and a little watering hole. I'm just going to. Stand at the crossroads and look. Promised land, desert. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it that you may find life. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, you are a good God. And in your mercy, Many times, 
you will not strike us with lightning, even though our sinfulness has earned it. Many times you are patient. Many times you are gracious. And we ask you, God, to forgive us that we've taken that as permission or agreement from you that we should just keep on doing it our way. And my, my hope, God, today is that we will be a people who make the choice. Whatever you say, we will do. No questions asked. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have yet to, to grab into the best part of what God's done for his people, and that is to recognize they'll never be perfect. And so he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life in their place so that when he died in their place, his death paid their penalty for sin. And then God raised them from the dead to show that that same power would raise us to eternal life. God offers us a free gift of forgiveness, eternal life, we call it salvation. But every single one of us at some point has to interact with that reality. We have to say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And if you've never done that, I wanna help you do that right now, wherever you are, living room, driving down the road, or seated in this room right here. If you would join me, say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I wanna live for you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. In my prayer here today, that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.